You're listening to The Dirt on Dating with your host, Noah Scott. Whether you're on the prowl or spicing up your relationship, we've got the dirt to help you find success in today's digital dating world. Welcome to this episode of The Dirt on Dating Show. I'm Noah, and today we're going to take a glimpse into what it's like to date Khan. So Khan (laughs) is a photographer, a writer, and a dad, and he's living out of the metropolitan Detroit area. He's also into vintage fashion, poems, and sneakers. Welcome to the show, Khan. How's it going? Excellent. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sweet. So tell everyone listening, you're a little bit of background. So you're currently married, right? And then uh, how long have you been married? How did you meet your wife? And just a little bit about your story. I've been married since 2006. We've been together since 2002. Um, How we met, uh, we've actually known each other since we were teenagers. Um, Here, there was a local, uh, I guess, convenience store slash drugstore called Perry's Drugs. I believe Rite A bought them out or CBS, one of them. But it was around October 1993. Me and a couple of friends just went, as you do, you go to a store to get some snacks. I saw a cute girl with a Nautica jogging suit on. Uh, she was the cutest one out of the, out of the few she was with. I asked her for a phone number. And we actually became friends. And sometimes you have those platonic friendships that, okay, you like me, but we'll just be friends for right now. And then a lot of times as it happened, for those of us that grew up outside of the internet era, a lot of times after high school, you completely disconnected with people. It wasn't this thing of internet social media that just kept you you tied in for people for the rest of your life. A lot of times you just stop you just stop talking. Phone numbers changed. Even when we graduated, you're talking '94. Nobody had cell phones. Even by the late '90s, you were still in an era in which a lot of people just didn't have cell phones. So communication still was based on having a number, holding on to it, and having it written down. But uh, 2002 Memorial Day, the Whitmore Day weekend. Uh, a friend of mine said, hey, there's a birthday party you want to go to with me. I go to this birthday party. And she's there, Latasha, my wife. And uh-huh. she's there. And I'm like, wow, how you been? By this time, we're what, 20, 24 and 23, somewhere in there or whatever. And one thing led to another. And she came home with me. And we've been together ever since. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So what would you say through that time, there's been a lot of, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's been a lot of adventures. And now you have children or mm-hmm. is it one child? Right, four. Four children. Wow. So Mm -hmm. you've had some adventures along the way. Mm -hmm. You've developed a connection between each other. You've developed a family together. I'm sure you've had some times where you've made some silly mistakes and and maybe some wild stories as well. Tell us a story of a time while you're dating your wife made a silly mistake in how you rectified things. Oh, I made uh, a whole bunch of mistakes during our time courting uh, together. I I think one of uh, the biggest mistakes, I'm not going to say, say, I'm sorry, I can't say biggest, but just simple mistakes. It's just because I was an only child. And so this whole aspect of putting somebody before you or thinking of somebody other than yourself, that was something that it took me, it was was probably one of my biggest learning curves. And to some degree, it, it still was. And so something simple as maybe wanting to go out to eat or wanting to watch, you know, me to defer and say, hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to watch? Where do you want to eat? I made a litany of those kinds of mistakes over and over again, because again, with no siblings, only had to worry about me uh, for years and then going and transitioning to this serious relationship and things accelerated fast with us. It really just took me a while to 
get with that. And honestly, I still struggle with it to a certain degree. You know, she's quick to tell me, you know, you didn't do this, for us. you did this for yourself. We just happened to benefit from it. But you did this because you wanted to do it. You know? Yeah, it's something that I think we all are on this a journey from when we're young, the priority is taking care of ourselves. The, the focus is in your youth, you're developing yourself, you're building your, your own skills. And then there's, there is this transition. And as you get older, it's no longer about the self as much as it is about the other. And so yeah. you, you grow so you can be strong. And then eventually you start to take care of everyone else. And the older you get, the more about other people it becomes. And it's, it's, not a, it's, it's not a story that I think is unique for you. I think this is something that we're all experiencing as we develop. And especially as you have kids that become a part of your life as well. Now you have other people to take care of. How has having kids impacted your dating life and like the romance between you and your wife? It impacts it because you have to make an effort to have a date night. You know, nothing comes natural. I can say that to some degree, it wasn't so much of a transition because she had two from previous marriage and we made two. And so kids were always there from the beginning. So there's always been a workaround with us of navigating our relationship, our marriage, our, our dating, our outings, our travels, navigate, navigating around with the kids, with the kids. So there's always been that conversation of, okay, let's make sure we have time for us. Let's make sure we do things together. And also take care of the kids. In fact, because of the ages of our kids are like, we're, we're talking 21, 18, 17 and 11. So we're like, we're nearing the empty nest stage. And so now we're, even though we're not old, cause I'm, I'm only 44, but we're looking at life like, okay, so when they're all going, what are we going to do? Because you don't realize when the hardest part, when you have kids, not the hardest part, but you have no idea. People don't know how much time logistics takes. The amount of conversations, even though COVID, we're not doing this because everybody's at home, but the, the conversations you have, okay, who needs to be picked up? Who needs to be dropped off? What are we eating? Who's picking it up? What do you have a taste for? Okay, and tomorrow, wait, okay, tomorrow morning we have to be, okay, I need to pick who up. Okay, there's an appointment. Who, when the next appointment? Did you make the appointment? You spend a lot of hours and hours in a month having that exact same conversation. It's logistics. And that's why I tell people a lot of times when you have kids, you're underpaid chauffeurs, you're underpaid cook, you're underpaid nanny, because this is, it's every day, this decision-making and this logistical uh, way of handling things within a marriage. Especially with four of them. And then as they start getting in high school, then you got sports and extracurricular activities. And it's tricky because you lose a little bit of the sexiness of (laughs) dating and marriage because you are so wrapped up in logistics and stuff. With that in yeah. mind, do you have some things that you do proactively to just keep things fresh? Really, you try to take advantage of your surroundings. So meaning that we're in an area where we're at where a place like a Friday's is like maybe 10 minutes away or Ruby Tuesday. And so a lot of times it's not like a, a date night, meaning that, okay, we're going to put on fence clothes go out. No, we're just going to go to Red Robin and sit at the bar and She'll have a glass of wine. I have some French fries and we'll sit and talk and have time to ourselves. And, uh, and honestly, there were times where, because we are very opposite and even when we want to do things, there were times where that's what she needs. And I don't want to do that. When I, this is, I want to just stay in the house and I have to force myself to do that because this is what she needs. She wants to get out. And it goes vice versa. The times I want to get out, let's go to famous days or let's, let's go to Chili's and just sit and have a drink for a minute. And that may be an evening where she's like, no, I just want to, put on my pajamas and go to bed. You know what I mean? That is so, even when it's needed, we still want it 
when at our different times, when, when our day, when we had the kind of day that says, hey, I need to get out and exhale a bit. And so that's the way. And at other times, just maybe going to Sam's Club and getting the samples. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like it's just the, the little simple things that really bring the connection yeah. together and, and just keep you there. It's, it's also mm-hmm. fascinating, just talking a little bit before the show, you do uh, all these side projects for your own self. You, mm-hmm. you do photography, you write, like you have a lot of passions and, and personal hobbies and things. Do you find yeah. that, that like having your own thing keeps uh, the relationship, keeps it so that you have your own space and when you come together, it's even more special? Tell me a little bit about your hobbies. and, and You know and, what? It's okay. First, I had I can admit I had the wrong mind state. I was um like for instance, I'm a big fan of um I'm a big fan of Quincy Jones. I'm a fan of uh, Miles Davis. I'm a fan of phenomenal artists. And uh, being younger, I grew up not grew up, but I had this mind state of of you had to go all in if you wanted to be great at something. You just went all in. You put everything else to the side. You went all in. And writing came natural. Photography didn't. I, I had an eye, but the technical aspect. There were classes. There was everything. There was a large educational curve that I took to put myself in a position to shoot for newspapers and start my own wedding and portrait business, things like that. And there were just nights that I'm studying and looking over stuff and she just leaves me at the computer and she goes to bed by herself. I thought that's what I needed to make me great. I didn't have a concern for the most part of the needs of the household because I was trying to be great at this. I knew once I was great at it, they would all benefit from the finance, you know, from the financial windfall it would create. But I wanted to be great at this and I didn't too much care as much of what went on in the household, what went on with her or quality time. I just knew that I wanted to be great at something. So I, I thought that was the attitude you need to have. And it took me um, a while to realize that was a huge mistake. So it's interesting that you say it's a mistake because it sounds like you still do have a, a, a lot of, you get a lot of enjoyment through it. It just sounds as if yeah. the motivation behind the, the drive, or I guess the initial motivation was one of maybe self-motivation. And then now you're looking at that through this more adult right. lens as something to be, not necessarily to be ashamed of, but looking at it as if it was the wrong motivation, but I think it fueled you to get to this point. Yeah, it did. And the biggest, one of the bigger debacles became is that it went from thing to thing. So when she first got with me, writing was the main thing I was fostering. I was fostering my journalism career, my my publishing and poetry career, novels and stuff like that. I was fostering that and building that up. Mm. Then once I got to a comfortable place where, okay, I could put on cruise control, then photography came. I fostered that, built that up put that on cruise control. And then there were other ventures. There was like recently a few years that I would buy vintage clothes and from like thrift stores, Salvation Armies and resell them. I would probably spend maybe 20, 30 hours a week doing that. There was a venture where I actually started my own t-shirt line. Did it, remember, did the Kickstarter uh, five years ago. And so there was always ventures. There was always projects. And I could always point to, if I can do this with this, see, I can make this much money. And she, you know, it kind of was like, for instance, my, my T-shirt brand, probably the best example, because I realized um, early on when it was getting, when I was got T-shirts, it was going at, the only way to grow this business was to be out doing fairs and things like that and festivals. And you're setting up booths, tables, that whole life. And she's like, all right, kind, you can't just be going every day. You can't have, okay, you want to write and do writing things here, interviews this day. And all night you have before we're having birthday parties and weddings. And then the other days you're selling t-shirts. It's, it's not sustainable. <laughs> you yeah. have to actually be, you have to be home 
and I'm part of the household. I'm part of the continuity of what's going on here. And again, me being naive and being selfish for a while, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, but if I'd be great at this, everybody else benefits. Like, yeah, but you mentally and physically aren't present. Yep. And I can relate to that a thousand percent. It's, it's just the the curiosity is something that that I've also got a, a similar thing. I you know, I'm starting all these different side projects and yep. it, it does come at the expense of sometimes the people that you're close to and you care about. Yeah. Because you're you're literally spread thin and sometimes you need to make a choice between the time spent with your family or the time spent with a new project. And then even with mm-hmm. the projects, you gotta have to choose between one or the other sometimes. And yeah, I can see that being difficult. So I want to I want to switch gears uh, a little bit and talk about because it's rare to to get someone with, a with your experience as a writer and you have you have the ability to eloquent, eloquently articulate things and b you've had this wonderful opportunity to have four kids to mm-hmm. tell them the birds and the bees talk. I want to hear what do you so how do you go about that? What do you tell them? How do you deal with teenagers that are just coming into adolescence, getting out there, they've got all the hormones kicking in, they're starting to see some some asses on Instagram and they're just and like I, the first aspect of it was understanding that they're way more advanced than I ever was at their ages just because of the access to information. If there was an effort I took at, at 13 or let's say 14 in high school, like you had to go to the to the convenience store and sneak to the section of the dirty magazines and then find the one that wasn't wrapped in plastic, seeing butts and nudity and nipples and breasts, that it was effort that went into it. Or maybe you had a best friend that his pops kept dirty magazines under the mattress and he, he could sneak one out. You know, it wasn't you pull out your phone and you just click and it's all there. There's no staying up late for the, the soft porn part of Showtime. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's right there. So by the time these kids become teenagers, and you're talking to them and you're trying to police text messages and what they say. And a lot of the conversation was funny. I don't remember so much is the technical birds and bees talk, but more of preventative. I've had the talks like, hey, if early on, if you're at a party and a girl is passed out and everybody's saying, hey, let's all do something with this girl. That's you leave. You remove yourself completely from that situation. Call the police, but do not participate, do not, that is a place you want to be. If somebody sends you nudity on the phone, a girl, you afford it, delete it, and you are, all of a sudden, you've a part of, of child pornography. So now so much the birds and bees talk, there's so much preventative, and because of the technology, is is so much that you're worried that don't do this, don't do that, and things like that. Then the other half of it is just general advice. When, when especially with sons, they come to you, and, you know, you, you, you're trying to be intrusive, and I have a good enough relationship where, for the most part, they'll ask or, or you observe and you weigh in. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's, it's really good to be able to have that transparency and, and they know that they can come to you with, with the question and, and that you're going to give them the time of the day. And it's really, yeah. it's really special. Yeah. 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 It gets, it's, it's gotten a lot better as they've gotten. If they've gotten older, they feel because you're trying to be judgmental. And that's the difference really between our generation of parents that we had and now you Try to do more talking with than talking at. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> As we're working towards wrapping up, I want to ask a couple questions, two, like two or three more questions here, and a little bit more on the dating side. Right? One of the things that we get, a lot of people are talking about how they're, as a single mother, mm-hmm. it's hard to date. Mm-hmm. But yet you found your wife, she was a single mother. Mm-hmm. You came across her, you didn't have any children yet. Mm-hmm. And the two of you started dating, got married, mm-hmm. and decided to make more kids. 
Yeah. What um, what is the what's different about dating a single mom? Like how's that work and you know what? She was very upfront. There was we were only a few weeks into this. And this is a running joke now because she she gave me this speech and says, Hey, there's every period where all of this is just too much for you. Let me know now. Because I don't need this going any further. Essentially kids get used to this person's relationship with their mom and now uh, he's gonna make an exit. And so she was just guarded. And the thing about the single mothers versus the dads is that a single mother most times has the children. They don't necessarily have the, they only can hide them for so long. And so try not to expose their children to what could be a long-term or short-term relationship. A lot of them just don't have that option just because like I say, they always have the children. So eventually the child is actually gonna see them. And my wife, before we got married, like anyone else, that was a big concern for her as far as making sure that this was something that was long-term, that was going to go somewhere, not, okay, it's three to six months, there's going to be a whole other person here. And so it, that was, like I said, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that's from even dating prior to because she was probably maybe a third or fourth single mother I dated. That was pretty much the issue most of the time. It's trying, it's just watching out for who you bring around. And even if it's short-term, just being careful. Creepy guys do creepy things, and their stories like, ah, who you bring around your children? Yeah, very true. Mm-hmm. And that's good. It's good that you had that permission early on, and you could evaluate and, and mm-hmm. decide. So I think this kind of leads to my my last question, or you know, second to last question. When it comes to actually like this traditional marriage, the two of you have been together for so long mm-hmm. and been through thick and thin. It's rare these days to have a, a traditional marriage that that lasts that yeah. works. What what are your thoughts on these alternative relationship styles that are popping up a little bit more openly? Things that are like open relationships, things that like are swing style of relationships, things that are like polyamorous things. If your kids yeah. came to you and said, hey, this is what I'm into. <laughs> you know what? I'm actually, I'm more for what people want to do as long as both parties want to do it. More because I learned early on, I personally think that maybe the biggest hindrance you can do to your marriage is put in a box. You know what I mean? And a lot of us do, especially I grew up with my grandparents. I thought they had a phenomenal marriage. And a lot of people who had parents, a lot of people who had parents that, you know, it's perceived their marriage was good. You get caught in the cycle of trying to model everything after them. You know what I mean? You want to you do things as they did because it's, it's seen as this works so well, you want to incorporate that in there. But really, the, there should be no boxes. My old, I remember my old writing mentor, first day, she says, whatever you know about writing, throw it out the window. Mm-hmm. And I think that's applicable to marriage. Whatever you know about, whatever you think you know about marriage, throw it all away so you won't force this template on you. And so, hey, if that's swinging, if everybody wants, if both parties wants to swing, then by God, go swing. If it's more of a conservative approach and we want to be this kind of couple of things this way, and and great, for instance, me and my wife, we don't have a shared bank account. Or for instance, my wife, she done, I prefer her not like to wash my clothes. I wash all my own laundry. I'm particular like that. I, or I'm not particular about her making me food when she cooks. Just save me the big piece of chicken. You know what I mean? The, you tell certain people that. I've met gentlemen who would be offended if they ate food on a paper plate. <laughs> but that's them. And if, if they're married to a woman who they're equally as offensive of serving him food on a paper plate, then there's no issues there. That works for them. So, like I said, don't make it fit into a box. Whether that box is, like I said, is swinging, is polygamy, whatever you, you, it's threesomes all the time, 
hey, if that's just what everybody wants, everybody's happy. <laughs> well said, well said. All right. So final question here. As this is the dirt on dating show, it's good to sometimes bring in a little bit of dirt to the to the questions yeah, here. So of course. what what do you think is a secret to being an exceptional lover? Unselfishness. That that's personally what I think it is. I think it, it I think that goes on both sides, especially when you're married, because nobody is great every time. You know what I mean? No, nobody is, is gonna be Long John Stallion, eight hours. Everybody has their moments of great dominance and look at me and you have moments, oh that was I know that's a little bit too fast. I normally we've been married a while. I usually go a lot longer. <laughs> if, if, if if the intentions is I want to please you and this is for you and I only want to do what you want me to do and make you happy. I think you, especially from a, a, a man's perspective, you'll find that she'll return that favor. Like, I'm going to do these things. This is my turn to make sure you're good. And hey, I may not, so I may not get all I want about, this is me making sure you're taken care of. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I think if everybody consistently brings that attitude, because that's what it's more about, I mean, especially when you're in the long haul of, of being married. Absolutely. Cool. Connor, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing hey, thanks story for inviting and, me. Yeah, and all your insights. It's been great. Yeah. All right. All right. And uh, take care. All right. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks you so much for tuning into this episode. It's been a blast. Don't forget to swing by Apple. There's two things you can do there. One, leave us a good review. Hit those five stars. And two, subscribe. And then if you want to be on the show, drop me a DM on Instagram at Noah or visit the website at dirtondating.com slash single and introduce yourself that's it for this one we'll see you tomorrow thanks for listening to this episode of the dirt on dating show we hope you enjoyed the ride stay safe talk dirty and we'll see you here tomorrow for another wild dating adventure